Many years ago, someone suggested that my life was incomplete as I had not seen the cinematic classic, The Godfather. Now, this was back in the day of VHS tapes. Stick with me, kids. And The Godfather is such a long movie that it came on two cassettes. So we came home, put the first tape in, and hit play. Now, the movie opens with this big dramatic scene. You know, man pulls up to a toll booth, pays his fee, but then gets trapped in by the car in front of him that suddenly won't move. Immediately, a bunch of goons with guns pop up and violence ensues. Big dramatic opening. I can't wait to figure out who this guy is, what that was all about, who's the godfather. You know, all the things. And then we spend the next hour and a half watching the most confusing plot line of our lives. The whole time I'm thinking, I do not get why people are so excited about this thing. It is impossible to understand. I am not enjoying the journey. When will this be over? At one point, Carl says, are you sure we put the right tape in first? This doesn't seem right. And I'm all like, yeah, no, that's a storytelling strategy, right? Open with a big, exciting scene that builds intrigue. They want us to figure it out. It'll all make sense as we go along. Except it didn't make sense as we went along. It didn't make sense until we put the second tape in, only to discover it was the mislabeled first tape, and we had, indeed, watched it out of order. And to this day, I think The Godfather is a dumb movie. Now, mostly I don't recommend it because it's extremely violent, but also, I'm telling you, made no sense to me. Ever been there? In the, I do not get why people are so excited about this thing, it does not click for me. Ever feel that way? about church. You know, like, I know it's supposed to be this great, wonderful thing, and people seem pretty jazzed, but it just doesn't click for me. You know, we might say, it doesn't work for me. You know, maybe once upon a time it used to, but honestly, it's just not working anymore, even when you are putting the tapes in in the right order. Now, obviously, as the face up here talking, it's not going to be much of a spoiler alert to say, I do believe in this thing we're doing here. I believe it matters and makes a difference. But also, let me be the first to say, there is so much about the church that doesn't work, that isn't working. Never mind the, the great big messes that the church in a broad sense has become in the world today. We're going to talk more about that next week. And I'm not even talking about when church becomes a source of pain instead of healing like Jeff talked about last week. I'm just talking about the million little garden variety ways in which church seems to promise a whole bunch of things it never quite delivers on. I mean, we come into an experience like this and, and what are we hoping to find? You know, good worship and teaching, a, a community of belonging, inspiration, help, healing, now, we're often looking for purpose and a sense of how to live well in this world, for ways to tap into the mystery of God. I mean, isn't that what's advertised? And too often we come into the system when we do all the things and it doesn't deliver. Now, the promised intimacy of community is constantly in tension with the size of the group in the room. So relationships end up feeling superficial at best, maybe non-existent. We find confusing theology, boring words, awkward, uncomfortable practices. Now you send your kid to some great discipleship program and find out later it was all just fluff. You, you volunteer to serve and, and wind up feeling overworked and underappreciated. Instead of awake and alive, your spirituality feels dull and flat. 
Life is just as hard. Your kids go sideways anyway. You wind up with more questions than answers and find the church full of the same systems and baggage that are messing up the rest of the world. You're not finding that hashtag blessed life and you have to wonder, like, does any of this actually work? Maybe for others, it's more of a, this thing used to really work for me. I've known church to be a source of strength and growth. It's, it's been a stepping stone to who I am becoming these days. It just doesn't feel like any of those things anymore. You know, it's not the place I experience God most. It's not the thing I need in the way that I once did. And, and quite frankly, I'm finding more life outside of these walls than inside of them. I mean, can't we just be honest about that as well? I think we can. In fact, I think we should. I think it matters a lot. But does it mean everything we think it means? Does it mean we're done with church? For me, the, the dilemma is that Jesus still seems pretty captivated by this thing. We're still pretty captivated by Jesus. And he seems to keep showing up in the middle of the mess, despite all of the ways we keep fumbling the ball. Any examination of the Gospels will show you pretty quickly that Jesus was no big fan of the church he found on earth in his day. It was a system full of religious rules and rule keepers, ineffective programs, and inauthentic relationships. And yet he kept showing up in the synagogues, showing up to say, this isn't it. You're missing it. Come close to me to find the real thing. My favorite glimpse of this is in Luke 4. He, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I love this scene for so many reasons, one of which is he is naming it right there exactly it, that this is what this thing is supposed to be all about. Freedom for the prisoners, sight for the blind, release from oppression, hope, healing, good news for everyone. He reminded them of it all. And eight verses later, they're trying to throw him off a cliff. You got to love the church, eh? And yet Jesus does. Jesus does. After he rose from the dead, the commissioning Jesus gave to Peter, as Jeff talked about two weeks ago, was to go and build his church, to build a heart-to-heart -heart community of fellowship and love and service to the world, and to know that even the gates of hell would not succeed against it, though they'll try. A community full of imperfect people is never going to work perfectly. You know, we're going to bump into each other. It's going to hurt at times. And yet the gift that Jesus left behind was to give us to each other, to form his body together, to be God with flesh on to the world. It's in the space of us that we see the grace and beauty and holiness of Jesus. 
And that's what true church is, that it's in the us coming together in mission and life-on-life discipleship to love God by loving one another. And we can see a picture, brief as it is, in Scripture of what this can look like when it's really working, as we read about in the early church in Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's the picture of what church could be. Can you imagine? I mean, I'll sign up for that any day of the week. So how do we make more of this like more of that? How do we close the gap? We can start by recognizing that some of why it feels like it doesn't always work in here is because it's not actually meant for in here. Now, I believe to the core of my soul, the things that happen inside rooms and moments like this are some of the most powerful and important things that can happen in a life. That's certainly been true in my experience. Massive, life-changing things happen here in this context. And everything that happens inside this room and inside our programs exists for life outside of this room and outside of our programs. It doesn't work perfectly in here because it's not primarily meant for in here. These moments are meant to be a springboard, not a landing place. And so there just is an inherent distance between what goes on inside program church activities and what they're truly all about. You know, we're constantly fighting the slide of something personal and real and intimate into something organized and big and and almost spectatory feeling. Offering through programs and curated moments what's meant to be lived in an ordinary, on-the-ground, 24-7 organic life. If it feels like it isn't working in here, that's because it doesn't totally work in here. But that doesn't mean that in here isn't essential to all of it ultimately working. Everything that happens in here is training ground for out there. You know, it's the treasure chest, the toolkit, the resource room, the pantry, the equipment room, the pick whatever analogy works for you place where the raw materials are available for us to experiment and explore, to build a real life of faith and community. In here are profound encounters with the Spirit of Christ in and through a gathered community of beautifully imperfect people. The things that can happen in here are incredible, and they help make the things that are to happen out there more possible. I do believe it's essential, but we have to keep in focus what it is and isn't supposed to be. In here works best out there. And now if you're somebody for whom, like I mentioned earlier, church used to work better than it does these days, if you find yourself saying, I don't know if this feels like it fits anymore, I want to say maybe that's not a bad thing. If your spiritual life is growing and you are changing shape, good. You're supposed to grow. I mean, we crave stability. We crave familiarity. It feels safer when none of the pieces move. But that's not alive. 
You know, life is wild. It's an ever-growing garden, not a museum. Constantly changing, shifting, dynamic, messy, responsive. If your relationship with Jesus is strong and your relationship with the church is changing, maybe that's good. So can you let it change rather than letting it die? Because too much baby goes out with the bathwater, I think. And often, when you need church the least is when we need you the most. See, in the early stages of faith, church often provides an important, sometimes even primary means of spiritual growth and nourishment. That's wonderful, but that's not meant to be a forever stage. We are meant to grow into people who have deep access to God every minute of every day, who, who live and move and have our being in the ways of Christ every moment, not just when we're consciously participating in a program. The church may not be a primary stimulus of your faith journey anymore. Good. But what about that idea of devoted community? And what about those who, who are still on the stepping stones where you used to be? Now you are part of the thing that is helping them grow into the fullness of Christ. The you here in this place, in this community. Maybe especially in the stage that you're in now. Now that brings Jesus in a unique, profound, and irreplaceable way. And so maybe it's time for your role to shift where your life is no longer lived so much needing to meet your own needs, but rather just to care for those around you. And isn't that exactly the Jesus way who laid down his life, who said, come and follow me. And if you lean into that role, rather than thinking you're supposed to keep stuffing into the old one, who knows what new life could happen, both in you and through you, even in the church. Also, keep in mind that the broccoli might be working more than you think it is. Enough said, right? Move along. I am notorious for every time I start a new health habit, whether exercise, a vitamin, new eating regimen, I literally expect tangible results within 18 hours to both feel and see something change. And I'm not exaggerating. As much as I know that's not realistic, I expect it that big that fast and I get that annoyed when it doesn't materialize. Forget it, I tried eating broccoli. Broccoli doesn't work. Give me something that works. And I know that's not how growth occurs, but it's hard. If I can't see it, if I can't feel it, how do I know it's doing anything at all in me that matters? And yet, isn't that the definition of a life of faith? Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. There is something to be said for the invisible working of that which looks like it isn't working. To allowing ourselves to be formed by the muscle memory of worship and scripture, of relationships developed and deepened over time. Of becoming the thing that Jesus envisioned we could be again and again and again. The broccoli might be doing more than you think. And last but not least, it does actually help to put the tapes in in the right order. <laughs> Meaning in order for it to work, we also have to work it. Sometimes when people say they tried church but it didn't work for them, I wonder if they actually tried it. Or if they kept themselves at a safe distance and more observed, as I have often done. 
G.K. Chesterton once said, it's not so much that ideal Christianity has been tried and found wanting, it's that it has been found difficult and left untried. Oof. <laughs> we, we're prone to try watered down half versions of the Jesus life and then wonder why it tastes so dull in our mouth, why it doesn't spark us to full life. And the truth is you can dip your toe in the water and catch a mini spark of God by even just attending church, even at arm's length, and then mistake that for the real thing. But it'll soon fall flat. Now that's not the dive in with both feet, nothing held back, full engagement life that Jesus actually is. And there is an effort required to it, not to earn your place anywhere, but simply because that's how relationship and growth work anywhere. It takes grit and determination, courage and consistency. It takes a willingness to show up when you don't feel like it, to, to genuinely engage in practices that stretch you, to open yourself up to community with people who are different than you, practicing wide open hearted life to honest life relationship, to serve your heart out for the sake of those sitting in the chair next to you and those who've been pushed way over to the margins of society to tear down walls and build more bridges, to forgive, to love. It takes work to commit to a daily emptying of ourselves, of our ego and our comfort, to learn how to really walk in the Jesus way. And sometimes when it's not working, our instinct is to pull back, to stop investing so much where it doesn't seem to be a return. When in fact, it's the diving in deeper that could change everything. It's the taking a bigger risk. It's the doing it from the center of our souls, not playing it safe anymore. So many times I wonder if the reason that things don't hit our deepest parts is because we ourselves are guarding our deepest parts. I do. From God and from each other. And it won't work that way. But... When we bring the whole of ourselves to God and to community the best we can, and when we embrace back all of the wild mystery of God and all of the imperfect beauty of community the best we can, when we don't hide the mess and we don't hide the love, when, when we go deeper instead of safer, this thing does work. Vulnerability might just be the secret sauce of it. You know, Jesus kept showing up in temples, sure, but he showed up real. You know, he didn't go to play the game. He went to shake up the show and to bring it back to what was real. And we have the same invitation before us. There is a movement afoot in the world, deep rumbling tectonic plates shifting the landscape of church. The, the shape of church is changing and it must. Come and be part of the moving it for all our sakes. I, too, feel plenty of uh, pull to be done with the church at times. Probably more than you'd be comfortable hearing about from the pe preaching face on a Sunday morning. I have experienced enough pain and frustration and disillusionment to make me want to say, I don't need this to experience God, to live a life with Jesus. I just don't think that's actually true. As much as I have my days when I would like it to be. And I am so undone by the Jesus I know. I am so undone. 
And that feeling only grows every day of my life. It doesn't diminish. And I want to be undone by the vision he has for what this thing could really be, what it already is, but also what it could really be. The more we give our full hearts to the real thing, scary and hard as that may be at times, as the church grows into all the beauty and life and messy majesty that she was meant for. I want that. I want to be a part of that. And I want to get to do that together with you because together is the only way. So as we close, I want to pray this prayer over us all from the book of Ephesians. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family on heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.